When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Richie. Beyond Walker. Pugh. Pugh! That'll do it! That will do it! Pugh for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and I'm pleased to say that this week sees the return of our man from Down Under, Mr. Sean Barker. And Sean, there is a reason for your absence recently, isn't there? Hello, mate. Yep. And hello, listener. Lovely to be back. And firstly, Sam, well done on the last few weeks' shows. It's been nice to be a listener and just listen in but um yeah it's been pretty busy we um had a bit of a holiday and i climbed a mountain which was an active volcano and actually stood in the crater and had that moment of huh at some point in the next couple of hundred years this is going to blow is it now but it wasn't (laughs) folks because i'm back but also um yeah pretty busy at home because we are now expecting a second baby oh mate that's absolutely superb news i've got I, i haven't got the champagne but I've got a can of punk IPA here. I don't oh, let you down, a, do I? Not a G&T. You've upgraded to a craft beer. What a hipster. Yeah, I certainly have. But, mate, oh, <laughs> really big congratulations to you and Tash. And, uh, yeah, you, it's going to be great to increase the family. Yeah, and, and another Cherries fan, whether they like it or not. <laughs> I'm really delighted for you, mate. And uh, I'm just pleased that on your podcast return, we can keep the good vibes going as we'll be celebrating a 4-0 Cherries win. So here's what's coming up. We hear from Michael Dunn, who, having suffered the 4-0 obliteration of the Cherries courtesy of Spurs, was chuffed, to say the least, after witnessing the reverse scoreline as the mighty Cherries smashed a dishevelled and underwhelming Middlesbrough. We then hear the fan thoughts and media reactions, followed by a discussion about the match with Sean and yours truly, as we dissect the stunning four-star performance at Dean Court. After that, as part of our online review this week, Sam speaks to Steve Jenkins, who runs the Tales from the South End website. Plus, we go over five top tweets from the weekend, including a theory by Sam on why Middlesbrough was so poor. (laughs) That's right, and I'm not sure how true it is, but it may go some way to explain why a team that were pretty good against Arsenal were all of a sudden not so good against us. 
And you know, listener, we love a conspiracy here on Back of the Net. So this has got to be 100% true, just like all the other ones. Anyway, um, we'll then go on to preview our next encounter where we travel up to Sunderland in the hope of cementing our Premier League status. Um, Sorry about that terrible accent. Yeah, that was terrible. Which part of India was that, Sean? Um, but first on Back of the Net, it's time for another Do You Remember? And we have a soundbite from a Cherries game from yesteryear. And at the end, a few questions are going to be asked. So, listen carefully. Do you remember? Do you remember? We have got an invasion of fans, which is very disappointing because we know they've been protesting, but it does seem a shame that they should disrupt something which they're really after, which is to preserve football for their club. Very disappointing scenes indeed. The third goal, not really responsible for it. This was, I think, a premeditated action. And the referee has taken most of the players off the field, which is the wise thing to do. But they're certainly not helping their cause by making this sort of interruption. And these are very distressing scenes. I would stress this is not the way to go about any protests. There are extra police on duty today. Police were aware that there might be problems. Obviously, in doing their bit to ensure they're sorted out very quickly indeed. But we don't need this in football. For all their love and dedication for the game and for their club, they do it no service by these sort of protests. Obviously, they have got problems both on and off the field, and especially on the field at the moment, where they're three goals down, and thankfully the players are now resuming their positions. The police are retreating to other positions. The fans hopefully will remain behaved, and we can get the remainder of this game out of the way without any further disruption. So there we go. I was actually at that game. Remember it well. But can you... We've got you three questions here. Firstly, name the opponents. Second question... Name the final score. And then thirdly, who was the AFC Bournemouth manager? So we're looking for the opponents, the full-time score, and the Cherries manager. The answer is at the end of the show. Do you remember? Do you remember? Hmm. So there you go, listener. Do you know the answer? And Sean, he's scratching his head over there. Do you know the answer? When I first heard it, my first thoughts were, I don't think it is this. So I'm going to say my what I don't think it is. Does that does that make <laughs> sense? I think it does. So I don't think it's Blackpool fans, is it? You're right. It's not Blackpool. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a little clue, another little extra Brucey bonus clue. This was televised on a Sunday afternoon live on Meridian. So it was on ITV in the South. And uh, it, that's all I can say. That's yeah, what yeah, I can yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's <laughs> that's actually a <laughs> massive clue because this back, back in those days... <laughs> It was pretty much, it was only one team we ever played on TV. So that's a good one, Sammy. Uh, maybe you, dear listener, have also now <laughs> picked up. But you want to know the score. Okay, that's going to take some work. At the end of the show, we'll, I'll carry on. At the end of the show, we'll uh, give you the answers. So we'll move on now, though, to a scoreline, which I'm sure we can all remember. If you needed any help, Mark Pugh would help you out. How many fingers, Pewy? Four, four on that hand and none on the other? Ah, okay. So let's hear all about the game with our man behind the mic. Here's Michael Dunn. Our top-tier Cherries took a significant step to securing a third season in the Premier League, 
with a decisive 4-0 victory over struggling Middlesbrough on Saturday at Dean Court. Eddie played what appeared to be his strongest available team from the kickoff, with Ryan Fraser replacing junior Stanislas on the wing and Dan Gosling returning for the much-appreciated Jack Wilshire in midfield. Despite voicing his intention in midweek to move on at the end of the season, Max Grader retained his seat on the bench, with Jordan Hyde nowhere to be seen once again. The players and management had made no bones about the importance of this fixture and backed up these words inside the second minute when Josh King gave us the lead. Gosling found Mark Pugh, who played a 1-2 with his old pal Charlie Daniels, before crossing to King, who nonchalantly turned the ball past Brad Guzan, despite being surrounded by Borough defenders. I have spoken previously about my aversion to early goals, but on this occasion I was prepared to make an exception, as Middlesbrough's record this season suggests that if you can take the lead against them at any stage in proceedings, the game is as good as won. Before we were able to extend our lead, Gaston Ramirez decided it was time to see if he could somehow find favour with the home fans by performing a comedy dive in our penalty box several steps after he had brushed past Simon Francis. When referee Graham Scott finished laughing down his sleeve, he produced the yellow card, presumably to punish the Uruguayan for such poor play acting. On 16 minutes, we went two up when Benicophobia scored his third goal in the past six games. The always her Stu Adam Clayton fell into the same trap Harry Arter set for Giorgino Wijnaldum and as at Anfield, the ball found its way to a Fobe, who finished in trademark first-time style. There didn't seem to be much that Steve Agnew's side could do to, from that point, although that was not going to stop Ramirez from continuing his selfless display in pursuit of popularity. Four minutes after a Fobe strike, Ramirez made a dangerous-looking lunge at Mark Pugh and although he barely appeared to touch our beloved winger, Referee Scott had seen enough and produced the second yellow. In a reverse of events at White Hart Lane on Easter Saturday, we remained in complete control of the game for the remainder of the first half without extending our lead, with King and Arta going closest. Borough did have their chances, however, with Alvaro Negredo almost blasting a hole through Arthur Boric's chest with a searing half volley, and Boric then tipping Martin Darun's 30-yard screamer around the post. Just before the break, Dan Gosling suffered a recurrence of the mystery calf injury that has been plaguing him in recent weeks, his misfortune opening the door for Lewis Cook to enter the field of play with Eddie short of options in central midfield. Cook the younger did not waste his chance and on 65 minutes played an incisive raking pass to Mark Pugh who cut inside to curl the ball beyond Guzat and into the net at the far post. The popular winger who also goes by the names Charlie Daniels and Ryan Fraser according to Match of the Day pundit Kevin Kilban was making his 250th league appearance and put in a man-of-the-match performance much to the delight of the Cherry Nation. Five minutes later, Bournemouth had a fourth goal. After Adam Forshaw had fouled his namesake Smith, the Pew doppelgangers Fraser and Daniels lined up to take the free kick. The wee man was in a hurry to get on with things and played the ball to Daniels before he was expecting it. This was no problem for our left-back, who gave a couple of defenders the slip before firing past Guzan and taking off in the direction of the by now cowering corner flag. We continued to make all the running and could have made an even bigger dent in the goal difference had King or Afobe made some kind of contact with Pugh's excellent cross into the corridor of uncertainty. Our Norwegian striker was then replaced by Lise Mousset and the Frenchman looked certain to open his account for the Cherries when he latched onto Daniel Ayala's poorly placed header six yards out but somehow blazed over the crossbar. It's been a nervous second half of the season at Dean Court, but thoughts are slowly turning from the fearful prospect of relegation to the possibility of a record highest finish in English football for the fourth season in succession. Just imagine, can we get top 10? Who knows? That was Michael Dunn there with the match report from the weekend. If you're not following him, do it now. Go onto Twitter and search all departments. Now, coming up, Sean and I are going to be going over our opinions from the game, plus we'll be catching up on your tweets too but before that we've managed to garner some opinions off the web of the borough beating so we've got matt from afcb tv paul merson from sky sports news we've got borough fan andy tate and then finishing off we've got kevin kilban as michael mentioned there with trevor sinclair their thoughts are coming up and to accompany them a song choice which this week comes from last week's runner-up who was ross devonport and the song this week is from carrie underwood the track's called Blown Away. Middlesbrough certainly were. Now, I've never heard this song before, but I've been told it's Ross's favourite ever song. Ah, oh, Ross. <laughs> anyway, here goes.
an easy stroll in the park, easily maybe sending Middlesbrough down. It's like Gaston Ramirez and a little bit of squabble. Mark Pugh getting a minimal contact. Got to give that to Borough. And lunging into the tackle, he gains a second yellow card from the dive as well from first. And he does get sent off and gets a lot of abuse from the Bournemouth fans from that. Probably an ex-Southampton player as well, so not very good for him. And a very going to create another, even more difficult afternoon for Borough as they have had a really poor start in the game. You can't help but draw the contrast between them and Bournemouth. Bournemouth concede a lot of goals. Uh, at times, but their game is entirely based around being on the front foot. Yeah, they let in goals for fun. They play two up front. They play a phobia and king up front. They play two out wide, two in midfield, and they have a go. And they go, right, whatever happens, we're going to score goals. We might let in goals, but we're going to go at you and you, you have to come at us. They don't wait. They don't wait for the other team to get going and go one, two, three, nil up and then start. Well, they didn't even get playing Middlesbrough, but they've done that all the time. Bournemouth, and that's why you want them to stay up because they they have a right right go, and sometimes you're on the end of a on, on the end of a defeat, but you pick up points. I'm more just I'm just more frustrated and angry than anything is. Those are four 0 to Bournemouth. I'm sorry, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Like four 0 to Bournemouth. Bournemouth are not a world class team. Yes, okay, given the due, they got, they got they obviously they got obviously got a classy manager and obviously the team isn't bad. But you don't go there and get beat four 0 Flipping it. You do not go there and get beat four 0 But it is what it is. Obviously, we have to kick on. <laughs> On to Sunderland now, come Wednesday night. If we lose that game, our oh, pride's gone this season, hasn't it? By the way, what on earth has happened to Josh King? He had 12 goals in 16, and before this season, he'd had 12 goals in his entire league career. That, that is a purple patch to beat, all purple patches. Isn't it? It's tremendous, <laughs> tremendous from him. Um, he came to Hull when he was a young boy when I was there, and uh, we, I knew he had the ability, he had real pace to burn. He's chasing lost causes, he gets something from nothing here, and that's the one thing I've, I've really liked about him. Yeah, I think he's, he looks fit. He looks like he's got the bit between his teeth. He's confident. And I think it's good man manager. You know, you look at Eddie Howe. He's been coaching him. He's good coaching. It's good uh, leadership from the manager. And he's encouraging him to do these things. And he's gone out there. And listen, if it wasn't for Callum Wilson's injury, mm. would he have got the opportunity? You talk about taking your opportunities. He's certainly done that. He's yeah. scored more goals this season. The third, I think the third, third most in the Premier League. Yeah, behind, then... behind Lukaku and uh, Kane. So there we go. Thank you to Michael for the report and uh, great to hear the fans speak as well as, as well as Kevin Kilban. Or is it Kelvin? Who knows? Who, who knows what his name is? And also Trevor Sinclair and Paul Merson as well, who was very complimentary about AFC Bournemouth. Whilst, uh, you know, the way he was speaking about Middlesbrough, it's not good for them. They really need to win in the week. And by the time you're listening to this, well, they might even be down. Who knows? But Sean, what a podcast to come back for. What did you think of that performance? Yeah, very happy to be back and uh, love the Borough fan there. Just oh, so miserable. And there was, I've got to mention, there was a tweet I saw after the game from a, from a Middlesbrough fan. And it was something along the lines of what we thought the Premier League was going to be about. And it was, you know, getting to play and battle against these big clubs, big stadiums, you know, and a, and a epic relegation battle. What it turned out to be getting destroyed by Mark Pugh. And what a combination. It's the Daniels Pew dovetailing once again, isn't it? And they combined amazingly. Um, they did well, uh, and then Pew put in that first cross, it was cleared, but they just worked together so well. And Josh King finished the perfect start, wasn't it? About 90 seconds on the clock. It was just nuts, wasn't it? I mean, we got off to a super quick start. We looked great, we looked confident. 
Um, Middlesbrough already, right from the kickoff, just looked like they were a team already destined to go down. And Pew and Daniels reminded me of, you know, like when a cat gets a, a little rodent or something and it just toys with it before it puts it out of its misery. <laughs> that was what Daniels and Pew were like on the left. It was just like, oh, this is going to be a field day today. One, twos, they couldn't keep up. Gosling came over, I'll get involved for a little bit. Pewey, one cross in, comes back out, doesn't give up. And then Josh King proving that as well as being great out wide, great dribbler, he's a great finisher and he knows to where to make the run and a nice finish into the bottom corner. Yeah, it was a really assured finish. And I noted on Twitter there was a lot of, Sort of, well, I wouldn't say negativity, but a lot of worry and angst before kickoff. A lot of people were really nervous about this one, and obviously, rightly so. Considering, you know, in hindsight, we look back and think, well, if we drop points in that match, we'd only be what four points behind. So, it was important. Yeah, and I, I had a um, Patrick Devitt asked what my prediction was for the game, and I went two-two because I, I saw it that Middlesbrough had to get something out of this game. We've just come off the back of a of a pretty heavy defeat, albeit, you know, played well and Spurs are amazing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just thought there'd be something from Borough, but you just did not see it. They, you know, they looked isolated up top, Negredo on his own, and just no one really busting their ass to put a tackle in or, or make any movement to stop us scoring that goal and... Yeah, the nerves, I tell you, after the first 90 seconds, the nerves relaxed and it was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah. And then it didn't take long, did it, till we got the second. Yeah, that's right. And Harry Arter doing what he does best. I mean, not I don't see many midfielders who do that in press like he does, but he just he sort of went for broke, really, and managed to... Uh, win the ball off the defender in Benikafobe, right place, right time, uh, instinctive, uh, gl- glad he was switched on. But, you know, it it was a great finish, just, you know, side-footed into the net and once again, really play, really pleased for Benik there. Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Like, it, it, it seems, and this could be a sweeping generalisation, but when he doesn't have much time to think about it or many touches that's when he gets a lot of his goals doesn't he whereas when he has a couple of touches whether he was one-on-one at Old Trafford or away at was it away at Sunderland when he fell over or whatever it was but yeah when he was just bang just instinct and we I guess we need to bring up at, probably at this point the change in nets because it's all been reported obviously everywhere the net color from red and black to white so that for the instinct of the striker they can just glance see the net and it, I mean, it definitely worked with that goal. Yeah, we certainly do. And, uh, that, you know, I've got a theory on that, which we'll bring up later in the show, because uh, in our online review, uh, we mentioned the Nets as well. But I tell you what, Borough, you know, Borough did have a chance, but that was at 2-0. But Negredo, it fell for him, but he almost hit, if this is possible, he almost hit it too well. It was, I I remember when, I don't know, when it was late 80s, early 90s, when you used to go down to the arcade machines, there was an arcade football game that had, if I don't know, if you made enough passes, you got a turbo shot where I think you had to press A and B together and the striker would do this ridiculous rocket ball where the goal (laughs) ball would shoot, the goalkeeper would take it in his chest, would bust through the back of the net and fly into the crowd and you'd score the goal. And it was like that. He'd found A and B because it was a huge hit. I mean, yeah, yeah. either side of Boric and it was in. And I loved when Boric was laying down, just kind of getting his breath back. He did a little smile, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, just a slight miss hit. And that would have been a worldie of a goal. He had loads of time to think about that as well. So I don't know if that had an effect. But anyway, uh, we could have made it 3-0. Pew once again. Again, we're going to be waxing lyrical about Pew later on in the podcast on the online review. But, oh, that back heel to set King free. I thought he should have done better there. Yeah, he, he actually, he, he should have. He should have scored. It deserved, from that back back heel alone, it deserved a goal. And, yeah, I don't know. He just, just, just lashed at it a bit, didn't he? Just across his foot. And, yeah, I mean, it was... But it, it set the scene to go, we are, when we want to carve them up, we absolutely can. And then, if anything, it was funny, wasn't it? And Eddie said afterwards, what happened mm. next actually caused us just to kind of take our foot off the, off the break a little bit. 
Yeah, that's right. So between the first and second goal, Negredo was booked for that. Um, well, I mean, what was that? He went over so late with Francis uh, at the time. I was really worried when I heard the, heard the referee's whistle, but you know he was he was straight on it. A lot of Bournemouth fans in the North Stand um, were up in arms when they saw him go down. Uh, so glad the right decision was made there. And then when the ball was in the corner, him and Daniels were having a little tussle, and you was it was one of them where you know we've come out on top. Oh no, he's got it, and Charlie Daniels got it. We've got it, and um, we eventually found Pew who did the little you know cheeky dink, and then Negredo just comes in whether he actually connected or not I don't know but it was reckless to say the least and the referee was straight on it and gave him a second yellow card which I, oh, I think was fair enough on it Sean it it was and in terms of the like and there's Steve Agnew's coach said why was he making that kind of challenge I mean he got frustrated because he tried to I think it was it Daniels he tried to kind of beat at the byline and mm. he hadn't been able to get past him so I think he was a bit frustrated there was a little part of me though that when he did that foul in real time and you saw it and you're yeah get him off serves right you 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 know you cheat you've dived and then you watch the replay and he did touch pew a little bit right he he did get something on pew like pew just didn't go down like with no touch did he sam come on he did touch him right well, Pew, I would say, um, didn't go down, say, like Adam Smith would, because Adam Smith would have made a meal out of it. But Mark <laughs> Pew, yes, he was fell to his knees, but he got straight back up, didn't make That's a solid true. dance about it. But the That's referee, true. the referee certainly, um, you know, made the right decision. Um, so like you say, for him to do. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, but like you say, though, I mean, it was like we were on, as Eddie said, as Eddie said, in cruise control. And it's like... I don't know when you're when you're playing against your you know you're like your five year old son and you've you know you're about ten nil up and you think oh I'm going to take my foot off the gas for a bit let him get back into it because we really didn't pressure sort of too much and there wasn't much else of note really in the second half but thankfully uh, sorry in the first half but thankfully in the second half we pushed on again but just got to say uh, brilliant on 44 minutes when the Middlesbrough fans it was a sort of a pre-arranged applause for Ugo Ekiog um, who passed away died of that heart attack uh, last week obviously which was absolutely dreadful news the Borough fans chanting his name great to see the Bournemouth uh, players joining in of course we had the applause before kickoff as well but um, yeah that was a that was a classy touch from everyone and also for AFC Bournemouth as well putting the putting the uh, signs in the away section as well, offering their condolences. But uh, on to the second half, and, well, Bournemouth started as they started the first, really. Ryan Fraser's cross. Benick heading the ball there. It would have been easier for him to kick it, because well, it was about knee-high, wasn't it, Sean? <laughs> it was, yeah, although it was still... I, I think you've got to give credit for the save on that one. That one, I think, yeah, that was a... He got down well, and made a good save, but it was like, okay, it's not going to take long until we, we tear another one in here. And we certainly did. And, you know, you bought that shirt for a reason, Sean. And that lovely blue shirt and the name on the back, Lewis Cook. And when he came on, I, you know what, obviously he came on at the end of the first half. I was really chuffed and excited to see him have a whole 45 minutes. And I thought he was a class apart, really. Um, but, yeah, the ball, we went forward and then uh, Middlesbrough half cleared. It fell to Lewis Cook, who one touch, played Pew in, and then Pew did what he does best, curled into the corner. But I've got to say, Lewis Cook there, what a pass. Yeah, me too. Having, having as I said, having had L Cook on the back of my shirt since pre-season, waiting for his opportunity, albeit sad that it came with Gosling going down again with the calf injury and, yeah, a bit worried as to whether that might be a bit long-term. But for Lewis Cook, I mean, the opportunity he's been waiting to have. And he came on and he was full of energy and you could tell he's a bit nervous and there was a few overhit passes and a little bit wayward. But you can see the vision that he's got because some of those balls he was making, he's passing quite a good distance away but just incisive and that was what it was for the goal he just was calm saw the space and it was like here you go and uh Pui did what Pui does turns a defender literally inside out and then once again bends it in that corner 
and it was it was great for for Pew to get the get the goal and to run off in front of the North Stand and to have a big cuddle with Lewis Cook. When you said uh, you've got L Cook on the back of the shirt, I thought like L as in L Classico, like L Cook. Has he got his own nickname already? How weird is that? But uh, yeah, I thought he was brilliant, and he um, he reminded me a lot of Jack Wilshire. The way he just swaggers about the pitch with a certain sort of confidence and. Uh, he's a very skillful player and he was involved in the build-up to the fourth goal as well. Now, Smith was felled and then Ryan Fraser and Charlie Daniels worked a free kick, which wasn't off the training ground, was it? But Charlie Daniels adapted well and uh, an assured left-footed finish. Yeah, I reckon when they were planning the free kick, it wasn't like the great escape movie where Pele goes, I'm going to get the ball and I'll go here, 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 goal. Because that's what it was. It was in the in the sheds beforehand. Right, I'm going to lay it off to you. You're going to go pretty <laughs> much round four players and smash it in the corner. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's fine. Just let me know when, you know, and just everything about it was just, uh, Borough, you're gone. You are absolutely gone. That is your season summed up in one goal. Yeah, completely. They had a couple of tweets in after the match, by the way. Uh, I'll come back to you. FCB Sydney supporters, great win for the lads. Now off to sleep. I'll tell you what, if you stayed up for that, oh, every minute was well-deserved. And Robert Murphy also said, how about a poll or an opinion poll on our points total for the season on this week's show? So we may do that during the week. Uh, he's going for a very optimistic 47. Hmm. Also, uh, Patrick Devitt, four goals, clean sheet, three points, Seven points clear of the drop, 12th place in the table. Amazing. Yeah, and I think, again, clean sheet. I mean, that's... And Eddie said that he feels that we've changed slightly and been a bit tougher to break down. And again, credit to goalkeeper and defenders because Burrich also made a great save in there at one point, didn't he, where he tipped one wide. And um, Steve Cook, as much as Josh King is banging the goals in at one end, toss-up between Josh, Joshua King and Steve Cook, surely for player of the season. And um, for me, Cook, he just gets better and better and better. And it was great to see when the fourth goal went in. It was like, um, was it a spree for Newcastle where he put his shirt on the flag and waved it? It was almost <laughs> like that with Cookie where the, the flag's been kicked out and Cook's just lifting the flag up and waving it around. But yeah, it was an excellent day of football at the Vitality Stadium for all those that were there and for all of those that were watching around the world wherever you are however bleary-eyed you were I certainly for me my morning and day was a lot brighter after that victory but now you've had our thoughts on the game but what about the AFCB Twitterati well in the moment we're going to get our top tweets from the weekend but first sam has done an online review for this week and as he's a web developer i'm pretty sure he would have been in his web geek element chatting to his special guest as he talks to fellow web designer stephen jenkins who as well as being a lifelong cherries fan is also editor of the longest running cherries fan website So as part of our online review this week, we've got Cherries fan Stephen Jenkins with us. Now, back in 1998, I ran Boscombe on the Web with John Sharkey when it started, and then that morphed into Red and Black, but that's no longer with us, sadly bit in the dust. But Stephen's site, Tales from the South End, well, that's now been going for nearly 17 years, which probably makes it the longest-running AFC Bournemouth site on the internet. Now, we'll talk more about that in a second. But firstly, Stephen, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. And uh, did you enjoy Saturday's game? Of course I did. <laughs> what was not to like, eh? <laughs> it was incredible, incredible yeah. wasn't it? So, when did you start supporting AFC Bournemouth? Right, well, um, sort of like in the 70s, my granddad used to be a season ticket holder in the old main stand and yeah. he used to take me on like in the early 70s when I was really, really young. I yeah. can't really remember much about it. And then I sort of stopped going and used to go occasionally in the 80s and then just just after the glory years of uh, Harry Redknapp, I started going again regularly. Yeah. And then I've been going ever since. 
Ah, oh, good stuff. So, yeah, as we were saying, your website is Tales from the South End and it yeah. is at www.thesouthend.co.uk. Um, what gave you the inspiration for doing the website? Uh, well, at the time, I, I, uh, I was looking for a job and I thought I'm going to, as a web designer, hmm. which I did do briefly. And uh, I'm thinking, well, I better, I like AFC Bournemouth, I'll see if I can make a website. And, and I just sat around and thinking, well, I was, and I always used to go in the South End yeah. and say, why don't we hear about people's stories from the South End? That's basically what it was. I can remember this bloke sitting in front of me, yeah. <laughs> scratching a scratch card and looking from behind. It looked like it was something more hilarious. And so that just <laughs> sort of inspired me thinking, I wonder what other stories people have got. They could tell us where they've been sat here watching us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? I can tell. I can tell that you are a web designer or have been a web designer because it's an excellent site and graphically, it's incredible. I mean, you know, some of the graphics you put out on Twitter are like a proper, proper professional. I've got to say. But um, thank you very much. No, that's okay. Have you said what kind of content can people expect on Tales from the South End? Well, I try. I try. Like, uh, yeah, I think the story thing sort of disappeared really because I don't think anyone really was that interested and obviously now with social media everyone's got a story to tell and they tell it on there so mm. so i'm trying to mainly you know, i'll try to keep up with the news but it's just my opinion and comment on what's happening at the club maybe do some match reports if i ever find any videos which i find really difficult since we've been in the premier league yeah to uh, and stick those up as well so try to create a good video archive and just give out my opinion on what's happening and uh, see what other people think uh, well, your website came very in. Well, it was very handy today when I was looking at some videos because I mean you won't have heard it yet, but we've got a "Do you remember?" at the start of the show, which actually references one of the YouTube videos on your site. But I can't give anything else away. But at the end <laughs> of the podcast, you'll be able to see what video it is. So, um, excellent. What so what kind of feedback have you got from the site? Um, it, it, it's uh, strange because obviously before we were a Premier League team you know didn't you know didn't really get much interest maybe obviously some Bournemouth fans but uh, apart from that didn't really get much interest and now since we've become Premier League hmm. I seem to have more interest from other people other websites especially but of other teams hmm. seem to have more interest and obviously Bournemouth fans now can get excuse me <coughs> get um their information everywhere now aren't they because since you're in the Premier League you're, you're splashed across every newspaper media outlet or someone online yeah. so yeah I get you know obviously people like it and I'm yeah. tr- trying to give people what they want as well as say what I think at the same time yeah no it's a cracking site I did see uh, one of your pieces actually on another on another website I mean I, I know from doing websites you sometimes get an email that have got questionnaires you've got to go through and answer yeah. the questions which appear as like preview pieces on um, on other website um, on other websites so um, yeah I mean after Saturday's game which was absolutely tremendous we take our good form still on to Sunderland on on Saturday 3pm kickoff. what are you expecting from that match can you, you do you think we're going to win it's difficult, isn't it, really? Because I think in Sunderland must be desperate for the points, but I've been, I think they must have been desperate for the points for about the last five, six, ten games. And <laughs> yeah, then so right. you suddenly think they're going to kick into gear and start getting results, and, well, it doesn't seem to be happening for them. So, you know, so you'd think it, even at home they're not particularly great. And they did beat us down here, didn't they, 2-1, yeah, which I thought right. was... Uh, which we won't go into. But anyway, yes, I think as a bit of a revenge, so I don't know, I reckon 2-1 to us. Brilliant. I'd be well chuffed with that. Well, uh, we'll hear more on Sean and my predictions on the game a little later on on the podcast. But as we continue our online section this week, let's check out some tweets from the weekend. So the first tweet this week is from (whistles) Kerry Payton, who said... We've made it into goals of the week. Well, I think we have. No idea who this fella is. And she screenshotted a bit from Sky Sports with the caption of our third goal on Saturday from Danny Pugh. Danny Pugh. Oh, Sky, do me a favour. And there was an interesting retweet from (whistles) AFCB Rob, who took a bit from a newspaper which said, Bournemouth from black of the net to back of the net. 
Apparently we're finding it easier to hit the net because now the team can see them properly. We changed our goals last month from the black and red ones and now they're bright white. And the paper article said that the £125 looks to be money well spent as we've scored 10 goals in 4 games compared to just 12 goals from the previous 9 home games. Hmm. Now, we all absolutely love Mark Pugh and there was a tweet from (whistles) Carol Toms who said earlier on today, My grandson sees you at the school, Mark, but he's too starstruck to speak to you. And Mark Pugh just replied, Starstruck? I'm just another dad on the school run. For that tweet alone, this is why I love the guy. He's such a hard worker and he's so, so humble. Carol was delighted with that and then tweeted back to say, I'll tell him to say hello if that's okay. Mark Pugh, what a lad and what a player. And finally a tweet from yours truly, (whistles) Sam Davis UK, who said on Saturday, I didn't want to say anything, but a friend of mine said she saw a few drunk borough players in the Sky Bar last night, was sceptical, not now. I'll explain this in a minute. And finally a tweet from (whistles) AFC Bournemouth, who said earlier on, on this day seven years ago, the Cherries beat Burton Albion 2-0 to secure an historic promotion to League One. What a day. And it was an amazing game. We won 2-0, I think, goals from Brett Pittman and then Alan Connell-Allen securing a victory. And the Burton fans were so amazing, letting us run onto the pitch. They even had a celebration, good times music on the tannoy and... They really contributed to what was an excellent away day for away fans. And I think that's part of our, well, that's the reason for our big love for Burton Albion. But what a day that was, just seven years ago. Wow, look how far we've come, eh? So there you are. Thank you to Stephen Jenkins and some interesting tweets from the weekend. Now, Sean, I've just got to quickly say about the Nets. We mentioned them earlier on. Um, I actually tweeted about this and I've just I knew I I knew I tweeted about it on the 4th of February 2015. I tweeted there's something I don't like about uh, coloured Nets. Not sure what it is. I think it's because they are as good as camouflage. And I, I've always thought that, like when when watching the games on TV at uh, at Dean Court sort of afterwards, you kind of look back and you think, if it wasn't for the white frame of the goal, like you wouldn't know there's a goal there. I mean, this sounds a ridiculous thing to say, but like when you're a player in the box, right? When you just have a quick sort of glance to the left, you've got your posts obviously to get the bearings, but what if you can only see one post? Like having a quick look, the net to the left of it or right of it, like it's so camouflaged. Whereas white, you've got a big area to aim at. Does that make sense? I totally agree. And um, the other thing I think is when I used to play Sabuti, I remember I got the, I think it was the Italia 90 goals, which was the box net goals. And I yes. always prefer playing with a net that's got a big, deep um, box net. I think Ipswich, they used to have them. They were one of the first to have them. Instead of the sloping stanchion they're a big like square with the post like you kind of get a lot more these days but i always found with those it just looks bigger and an easier thing to stick the ball into yeah no completely agree and uh mark Pugh found the net in the white net and i just wanted to say as we said we just say a quick but 250 games and what a guy i love the bloke was it seven years he's been with afc bournemouth and he's just uh, he he's reaching legendary status if he's not already. I think the way he carries himself off the pitch is absolutely superb. He comes across as such a humble guy, but he's such a hard worker. And the fact that he's always proved us wrong, maybe I'm not saying us collectively, because I've been one of the fans who's always thought he can't he can't cut it next season, and he's always done well. Once again... He's just been absolutely exceptional. He has, and he's also the the attitude of him sums up, doesn't he? The the attitude of the team and the the ethos and the togetherness, and he's he's a he's the kind of player that he won't suit every game in the Premier League, and we have found that out in some games. I think where he hasn't suited it as well as other players could, but 
from a coach perspective for Eddie, knowing that if he doesn't play Pew for a few weeks, he's not really going to have him knocking on the door, you know, as far as we know, knocking on the door saying, hey, boss, why aren't I playing? He'll just get his head down. He'll work hard in training. And then when number seven's been put on the team sheet, you know he's going to go out there and he's going to do everything he can. And yeah, that was... It was such a great dominating performance from him, wasn't it, at the weekend? And yeah, I just absolutely stoked for him. Really, really stoked. And you're right, club legend. He's well on his way. Yeah. And finally, just wanted to talk about the uh, tweet that I uh, mentioned of my own tweet about the Borough oh, yes. players. Because I'd read this as well somewhere else online. Go on. Uh, it's been interesting. I've had I've, I've had retweets and all sorts of likes on this. Right, this is a story. Right, um, my friend Sarah. Right, she was out at the Sky Bar. I'm not going to mention surnames or anything like that. She was out at the Sky Bar, the <laughs> Hilton Sky Bar, on Friday night, and she knows nothing about football. Okay, and she gave me a call in the evening, and she said, "I think there are some Premier League footballers in here." And I said, "Do you know what team?" She said, "No." Anyway, that was that. 2am I was I was actually working on a website which had to be done for the Saturday so I was still up I get a garble text from her and uh I text back saying huh and uh anyway we she told me it was Middlesbrough and I said whereabouts are you and she said we're in the sky bar and I said are you sure they weren't fans she said no they're players and and I quote she said they're all off their face so I hope it's not tomorrow's game I replied, well, it's it's actually 3 p.m. tomorrow. And I said, you know, this is excellent news. Crazy if they are drunk. But uh, anyway, she texted back and said they were 100% drunk and all had badges on their suits. And uh, also she said something about random girls, which I won't mention. Now, this is when I started to become very confident um, about the result. Now, at the time, I didn't I didn't ask her to pap the players or anything like that. Cause, but she's not particularly one to make things up. Plus... It wouldn't even be a thing that she would really imagine up, considering she's not into football at all. The only thing that I can think of is that they could have been peripheral staff members or injured squad members, maybe. But anyway, that's what I said. And the um, reaction from the Middlesbrough fans after I tweeted that was hilarious. Many of which tweeted me to say that I was talking out my backside. But then I did reply <laughs> by posting the question, what, so your players were sober? But um, yeah, it was in, that was an interesting one. Whether it's true or not, I don't know because I wasn't there. But uh, it caused a bit of a kerfuffle online anyway. Wow, like classic 70s football. Go out, get smashed the night before, except... You know, in those days, the players would then turn up and still put on a performance. But yeah, the old saying, though, Sam, is photo or it didn't happen. But uh, without that, yeah, we're going to have to... We'll never know exactly who they were. But yeah, there's... I don't know. You could... Yeah, you could tell things aren't, aren't well, are they, at Borough? And yeah, they're a side, I think, destined... They're destined to go down, I think, before that game. And I think that attitude summed it up. And so maybe like it. You got your moles out. I like your moles. Hi, this is the big one, Steve Fletcher. And you're listening to Back of the Net. How are the lads? 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 So on Saturday at three o'clock, Cherries and Cherries fans make the long and arduous journey to the Stadium of Lights to play Sunderland in what is, it's a must-win fixture. Sunderland have, well, they've got to get more than four wins really, but they're playing Arsenal away and Chelsea away at the end of the season, but... It's going to be an interesting match already. Bournemouth, of course, in a good sort of run of form. Sunderland have to play Middlesbrough before that. And that is on Wednesday night or today, if you're listening to the podcast on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game. If they lose it, well, the match against us is a must-win match. But, Sean, what are you sensing from the game? Do you think we can sort of roll up and then go home with three points i would hope we can i guess um in terms of the lineup what are we expecting i mean we're presuming that gosling won't be fit and lewis cook will start in his place um which means that we're kind of 
we've really run out of centre midfielders, I think, haven't we? So in terms of our regular squad, what with Emerson Heinemann being still away in up at Rangers. And did I see he's just won their Young Player of the Year? He's only wow. been there three months. And I believe I, it might be fake news, but if it's real news, I think he's won that. But I don't think we can recall him. And so... Um, we probably maybe wouldn't want to at this stage, so we might well see one of the youngsters stepping up on the bench. But that's the only worry, is that we are getting a little bit light in the middle. Having said that, we're almost there. And, well, as far as staying up, I don't think there's any doubt of us going down now. But that's my only thought. Is interesting to see who we have in that centre midfield covering. Um, yeah, Sunderland. For me, I think the Middlesbrough result I think will have a massive effect on um, our game. If Sunderland beat Middlesbrough, I think it will be a tougher game and I think they'll be up for it. And I could see us, oh, I could still see us winning, but maybe only just or maybe a draw. If Middlesbrough beat Sunderland, I think we will smash them. I think this is the game. As much as you say that if they lose to Middlesbrough, it's a must win. They're so far behind that I think if they were to lose this one, a big game against a local rival, my prediction, Sammy, 4 0. Wow. 4 0. If, if they lose to Middlesbrough, I just, they're just, they're shocking. And we're in a good run of form. And yeah, if, it, if, it, if they win that game, then yeah, I'll go, oh, I'll go 1 all. But. That's my predictions. What about you? What do you think? I'll tell you what, just as an aside, it's really interesting. I mean, things are... It's not boring if you live in the northeast, is it? Because Middlesbrough, probably going down. Sunderland, probably going down. Well, definitely going down. Hull, maybe going down. Newcastle, congratulations. They are back up to the Premier League. Well-deserved and a fantastic away day as well. And um, Hartlepool United... They are what? They're they're twenty third in League Two. Jeff Stelling had a right old rant on Soccer Saturday, telling the manager to yeah to do one. You need to see it on YouTube. I, 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 surely he's going to get a fine for that. I mean, I know really? he's not. He did. He's he's not the most impartial guy when it comes to Hartlepool, but he he went on a right old rant, telling the manager to go, and as a result, he has now. Um, but yeah, so if you live in the northeast, things are uh, things are pretty exciting. But for Sunderland. Uh, Oh, it's it's not looking good. Um, I think you're right. The result against Middlesbrough is going to de- sort of determine the match. I think we can roll out winners. I don't think it's going to be as easy as four nil. I think we could. I think we could come away with a with a two nil win, and that's what I'm going for. And with the lethal duo up front of Josh King and Benik Afobe scoring the goals. Now you may have seen Sean. I put out a tweet earlier on. And um, it got a, a fair few sort of likes and, and retweets. And this is a fact is that there's a few Benekafobe haters there still in Twitter land. And I worked out that without uh, Benekafobe's goals this season, Bournemouth would have five fewer points, putting us in 16th place. That's the equivalent of £6 million worth of prize money. Ooh, good stat, Sam. Now, I'm slightly distracted because I'm just... my geography of the north of england is rubbish you know once you're north of the watford gap you're northern as far as i'm concerned and you were putting hull into the northeast category yeah so i just had to go and hang on we're to my map they're east of leeds and bloody miles away from middlesbrough i'm gonna put it it's the same as calling (laughs) somebody from i'm gonna zoom in on the map now it's been a while since i've been in the uk someone from Worcester, let's say, is on the south coast <laughs> in terms of distance from us. What are you on about, Sam Davis? If you look at UKCoastGuide.co.uk, the Northeast uh, Coast Guide, for the purposes of the UK Coast Guide website, the Northeast region starts at Kingston on Hull. Is that the same as Hull Hull? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Anyway, who knows? <laughs> terrible, terrible geography. Anyway, if you're a. Uh, Heading up to the game, don't use Sam Davis's sat nav because uh, I think he's he's put Sunderland as a a wee quaint little uh, fishing village in the coast <laughs> of Cornwall. Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stand, shouting up the cherries. 
You're listening to Back of the Net. So earlier on in the show, you will have heard Do You Remember? And we played a sort of one-minute commentary piece from a Cherries match from yesteryear. Although there wasn't any football involved, it was more of a pitch invasion. And uh, I gave Sean a little clue after the feature, which I think... Well, I think he's got it, judging by his face. There was a little sort of bright spark, a little light bulb popped up above his head. And Sean, are you going to tell me the right answer now? I'm going to give you what I think is vaguely the correct answers. Um, I'm pretty confident that it was Brighton that we were playing against. And there was a couple of things. One, I can remember being there now because it it was back. I can't remember the exact year, but it was in... It was mid 90s, wasn't it? Mid to late 90s, I seem to recall. Um, score, nah, can't remember. But yeah, am I right so far? Yes, you are. Uh, the it was in 1995, which probably will now give you an idea of who was managing us at the time. Uh, so it was it was Melly 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 Machin, I believe. On the bench, on the bench, it certainly was. Yeah, and uh, what was it like? I mean, what stand were you in? I was South Stand, so I was always in the South Stand. Now that this was. So it was 95, but it wasn't, it must have been 95, 96, because I don't remember it happening in the Great Escape season. So was it, it must have been the, was it early 90, uh, was it late 95? It must have been that following season, right? Mate, I just, I just put these features together inside two minutes. I, I've got time to work out the months and days. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was Brighton, we won 3-1. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there is a YouTube video, actually. And if you actually go on to the Tales from the South End website that we spoke about earlier, check out their video section. And um, it's actually really quite intimidating. I mean, the Brighton fans were doing it not, uh, you know, only because they, of their own frustration of their position with the Goldstone ground and all that kind of stuff, didn't have anywhere to play. And the way some of their fans antagonised the people in the newsstand, I mean, you'd never see anything like that today, but they were proper going up to them and newsstand fans were running away. It's a it's a real interesting video, so, so certainly do check it out. Another thing... I'm just checking it out right now. Oh, yeah, have a, have, have a look and, and let me know what you think. I'll just, in the meantime, talk about our Instagram because, yeah, Back of the Net is now on Instagram. We've joined the 21st century. We're not quite on snapchat or any of the other things yet tinder or whatever it is is that is that an app oh that's a dating app swipe right or or, or swipe left (laughs) but yeah we're on instagram uh give us a follow and like our tweets no instagram posts yeah just go to instagram.com slash afcb podcast or search afcb podcast over there on instagram and uh yeah when you see us uh post do feel free to do whatever you have to do on Instagram. And do, of course, spread the word. Oh, see, Sammy, I'm totally distracted. I've got this video up now. Yeah, look, the, oh, the coppers with their truncheons just smashing. Know. And as the Brighton fans run towards the 17 fans that were in the newsstand <laughs> there, ironically named. Yeah. yeah, no, it was proper, proper rough. Yeah, back in... So it was, it was 95, 96. So it was, the, it was the red shirt with the thin little black... Um, and it was that horrible material. It's like tea towel, really horrible tea towel material. That shirt, I remember it being yeah. awful. But yeah, it was um, thankfully mostly a, uh, and we've moved on yes. from those days. Yeah, we certainly anyway, have. Yeah, we'll now move on away from riots and fights to uh, lovely things like your mates, and you're having a beer and you're chatting about Bournemouth. Do make sure, if you don't mind, please tell them about this podcast. Um, tell them that you know you listen in, and you can listen online, or they can listen on their phone. So, if you know any Bournemouth fans and they haven't listened to the show yet, if you wouldn't mind, please pass it on. We would much appreciate it. So, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Maybe on Walker. 
Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.